British pediatrician Roy Meadow once said, one sudden infant death is tragedy, two is suspicious, and three is murder until proved otherwise. Here is part one of Mothers Who Murder. This is Killer Heart to Hearts. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Killer Heart to Hearts, or welcome if this is your first time joining us. I'm Elise. And I'm Will. We are happy to have you here. Um, so we have a two, another two-parter for you. Um, in this one, each part is its own story, but the topic is a two-parter. So, um, yeah, the topic for this week and next week is Mothers Who Murder. It's the Mothers Who Murder anthology. Yeah. You know, yesterday was Mother's Day. I don't want to say that this is in honor of Mother's Day because that just sounds really weird. Yeah. (laughs) But um, I guess it was the inspiration of why we decided to uh, do this for the next two weeks. Yeah. So the two stories that I'm going to be bringing you for today and next week are going to contradict each other. Everything that I tell you in the first episode, I will be asking you to suspend your level of belief for the second episode. Now, these cases are two sides of the same coin. Two mothers, four children each, four deaths each, same outcome. But the underlying circumstances appear to be very different. Sometimes we need to dig a little bit deeper and ask more questions than we're comfortable asking to get the real answers. So in February of 1981, 10-year-old Jenny Ann Wright told her father, as well as a social worker, that she was afraid to be left alone with her mother. There was an investigation done by welfare workers to look into the concerns of this young child They interviewed family members, but did not find any reason to pull her out of her home and into the protection of foster care. Exactly one year later, there was a dispatch call to 911 from Martha Ann Bowen, Jenny Ann's mother, the very person Jenny Ann was afraid of. She called police in a panic, saying that her daughter was unresponsive and wasn't breathing. When paramedics arrived, They discovered the 11-year-old girl face down on her bed and foaming at the mouth. It was clear she was beyond help. She died that day. Well, that's a little unnerving. No kidding. So what was Jenny Ann afraid of? Were her fears valid? To answer that question, let's go back five years to 1977. By 1977, Martha Ann Johnson was 22 years old, had two children, and was on her third marriage. She gave birth to Jenny Ann when she was just 16 years old. Sometime soon after, this marriage dissolved, but it didn't take her long to find a new husband and give birth to baby number two, James William Taylor, JW for short, when she was 20 years old. Then, of course, that marriage didn't last long, and she met Earl Bowen, who would be her third husband but not her last. Earl adored Martha's two children like they were his own, but he and Martha had problems with their own relationship from the beginning. Oh, I mean, what kind of problems are we talking about, though? 
Well, I couldn't find specific details, but it seemed that they fought all the time. And Earl would feel the need to just leave the house to cool down. I haven't found anything to indicate that there were any physical abuse or anything like that, but just a lot of yelling. Mm. Then on September 23rd, 1977, Martha Ann laid down 23-month-old J.W. for a nap. A little while later, she went to check on him and found him unresponsive. She rushed him to the hospital, but unfortunately it was too late. The doctors pronounced him dead on arrival and attributed the death to SIDS, or Sudden Infant Death Syndrome. Many also refer to this unexplained phenomenon as crib death, because it most often occurs to children under the age of one while they are sleeping. Well, it should be noted, of course, though, that J.W. was nearly two years old at this time. This doesn't seem to raise red flags at the time, but hindsight is always twenty twenty, I guess. Also, the very definition of SIDS, according to the Mayo Clinic website, is, quote, it is the unexplained death, usually during sleep, of a seemingly healthy baby less than a year old, unquote. So SIDS itself is not a diagnosis of anything. It appears to be the opposite. It is an unexplained mystery that cannot be diagnosed. One thing to also note, though, is SIDS was first labeled and brought to the public's attention in 1969, only eight years before JW's death. Nowadays, it is common for there to be some kind of investigation into the child's death to better understand how this happened. But back then, when a panicked mother rushes her child to the hospital and says that they just stopped breathing, foul play is the last thing a doctor wants to accuse a grieving mother of. So it was labeled as a tragedy. But how many times can tragedy strike one mother? We're about to find out. In 1979, Martha Ann gave birth to a little boy named after his father, Earl Wayne Bowen. Then in 1980, a little girl came along named Tabitha Janelle Bowen. Martha was just 25 years old by the time she had her fourth child. However, the marriage was continuously rocky, and Earl couldn't take it, so he walked out and left Martha Ann. On November 30, 1980, Martha put three-month-old Tabitha down for a nap, and when she went to wake her up, tragedy struck again. The baby was blue, and paramedics knew as soon as they came to her that there was nothing they could do. Tabitha's cause of death, like her brother's, was SIDS. Earl couldn't help but be a bit suspicious. What are the chances of two SIDS deaths in one family? But Martha Ann was adamant this was a horrible tragedy, and authorities took her word for it. Apparently, so did Earl, because he came back to her and moved back into the house. Then, in January of 1981, two-year-old Earl Wayne Bowen was found holding a package of rat poison. Martha rushed him to the hospital, where he was able to be treated and released. However, soon after returning home, his parents claim that little Earl began having seizures. Interesting. Do we know if um, if rat poison can cause seizures in humans? Well, according to VeryWellHealth.com, rat poison can cause internal bleeding, 
shortness of breath, pain, nausea, vomiting, and even seizures in humans. In some cases, these symptoms can begin as soon as 15 minutes after ingestion, but can get worse over time until it is harder and harder to breathe. On February 12, 1981, little Earl had a seizure so bad that Martha and her husband had to rush him to the hospital. On the way, their little boy went into cardiac arrest. When they arrived, doctors were able to revive him, but he was placed on life support, and doctors broke the news to the parents that he was pronounced brain dead. Three days later, he was taken off life support. How old was he? He was two years old. How did a two-year-old get a hold of rat poison? Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was must have been very accessible to him. This now brings us back to Martha's oldest daughter, Jenny Ann. She has now witnessed three of her siblings pass away under the most mysterious of circumstances. She clearly tried to warn authorities about something nefarious going on in the house, but even she couldn't say for sure what that was. A year after Jenny Ann had spoken up about her fears regarding her own mother, the 11-year-old began complaining of chest pains. Once again, Martha and Earl transported yet another child to the doctor. The doctor prescribes some Tylenol and a rib belt, which is basically a compression brace for the abdominal area. They're generally used in rib fractures or sprains, but it's unclear if doctors actually found any broken bones when they examined her. However, on February 21st, 1982, exactly one year and six days after the death of her brother, Jenny Ann was found face down on her mother's bed with foam coming out of her mouth. Paramedics were unable to resuscitate her. This young girl's worst fears had come to fruition, and this time, you would think authorities would have no doubt this was murder, but you'd be wrong. Autopsy reports indicated that she had been asphyxiated, but still, to authorities, Martha was nothing but a grieving mother who endured unthinkable pain in losing all of her children. Wow. You know, it's like, my initial thought was that this is something like, um... Munchausen syndrome by proxy, but it's not. I mean, this is filicide. Yeah. I had those first thoughts too. But with Munchausen by proxy, generally the mother doesn't have the intent of killing the child. It's the act of creating fake diseases to get attention rather than actually putting the child at risk. Right. I mean, sometimes it's like they would intentionally maybe put something in the child's food to make the child sick to a degree just so that they could then get the attention that that they themselves crave but their intention isn't to 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 kill the child right yeah it's just an attention seeking method anyway after the fourth death her husband earl had finally had enough he left her for the last time and divorced her but it didn't take long, though, for Martha to find a new husband and move on with her life. But her past would soon come back to haunt her. In December of 1989, an article in the local newspaper, the Atlanta Constitution, began to question what the real cause of death was in all four of these cases. Soon after this investigation launched, 
Dr. William Anderson said that his initial diagnosis of James Taylor, who was the first to die, was probably wrong. Knowing what he knows now, there is a 90% chance that this was homicide. I guess this new information persuaded detectives because they reopened the case soon after, and they learned something very interesting and very telling. Each child died seven to ten days after a fight which occurred between Martha and Earl. Mm. Finally, an arrest would be made. On July 3rd, 1989, Martha Ann was taken into custody and had some very interesting things to say during her interrogation. She confessed to killing two of her children. She told detectives this was her way of bringing her husband back into her arms after he left her. So she took her 250-pound body and rolled over her children, smothering them to death while they slept. But that was only for the oldest two. The youngest two, she said, were still accidents or unexplained deaths. She was only responsible for killing Jenny Ann and J.W., baby Tabitha, who supposedly died of SIDS, and little Earl, who ate rat poison, were not her fault. Okay, I don't believe her for a second. I know. I believe that um, that's how she killed the younger kids. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when you're two years old and a 250-pound adult rolls over you while you're sleeping, yeah. then that would kill them. It's but not going to necessarily kill an 11-year-old. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> yeah. I have problems with that. Because when you're 11... And someone is doing that to you, what she claims or what she alleges she did. You're big enough and old enough to fight back sure. to some degree. Sure. Even if you're sleeping and you're woken up, right. you can still have that initial reaction of fighting right. back, I would fight expect, or flight. I would expect to find scratches on mm -hmm. um, on the mother. I would expect to find skin cells under the child's fingernails. Right. Like, and... Jenny Ann was foaming at the mouth, you know? I mean, I, there's definitely more to the story than that. Do we know if they did any kind of uh, toxicology during the autopsy to see if she had been poisoned? Uh, I don't know that. Hmm. But Martha Ann Johnson's trial began April of 1990, where she immediately recanted her confession. Her new husband, Charles Johnson, tearfully took the stand, telling the jurors Martha was a good person and could never have done anything so unthinkable in her life. Luckily, jurors disagreed. On May 5, 1990, Martha Ann was found guilty of first-degree murder, but only for Jenny Ann's death and a sentence to life in prison. Wait, but what about all the other kids, though? Like, I mean, if she's found guilty of one, wouldn't it be likely that she killed all of them? Well, according to an 11 Alive News article, which is the local news station in Atlanta, Clayton County brought the charges forward for Martha in 1989 because that is where Martha was living at the time, and that's where Jenny Ann died. However, the other three children died in the previous residence in Fulton County, so it is up to the district attorney, Paul L. Howard, to bring those charges forward, which, for whatever reason, hasn't happened yet. Wow, interesting. Mm -hmm. Just because it was a different county, then it's a different prosecutor exactly. and different everything. They have to take up the case separately. Yes. Wow. 
Johnson has been up for parole five times in the last 30 years and was denied each time until January 2020. It was announced that her parole was under review. A possible release date has not been announced yet, but there is the possibility of her walking free, which is devastating to think about. But since she has never been charged with the deaths of her other three children, there is still the possibility of those charges being brought up if Fulton County will get their act straight. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Like, let's say that um, that Martha Ann gets paroled and then the second she's released, she's arrested and mm-hmm. charged with three counts of murder out of Fulton County. It would be great. And Jenny Ann's half-brother has been very outspoken about just how he feels about Martha's potential release. He said, quote, I want them to carry her body in a bag out of that prison, throw her in the woods, and catch her on fire. I wouldn't even waste the dirt, unquote. I agree. Yeah. I agree with that sentiment. I mean, she, to me, sounds like the worst kind of human. Yeah. I mean, this is purely an attention seeker. Right. So in a way, it is... Um, similar to what someone with Munchausen would do. Yes. Because it's she wants the attention. In this case, it's the attention and the affection from her estranged husband that yes. she wants. And she's using th- these kids and harming them to get that. Right. The only difference is the length at which she goes. She doesn't – she could do Munchausen syndrome and just make them sick in order for – to bring Earl back to her. And I'm not saying that's a good thing or anything, but it's better than death. Yeah. And she didn't even think that was far that would go far enough. Right. She took it to an she, even further extreme. All the way. Yes. Wow. I don't yeah. I mean, I wonder if she was trying to kill two birds with one stone. Like, you know, she's a relatively young woman mm-hmm. and um, she's got four kids now and she's in her early 20s by then or mid 20s by then. Yeah. You know, maybe she looked at this as an opportunity. OK, so Earl left. So I'm going to get him back. And at the same time, I'm going to relieve some of my stress that I might be experiencing by eliminating some right. of my children. Like what a I know. concept. I know. Yeah, and it's interesting that Jenny Ann, the oldest, was the last to die. You know, I mean, she uh, harbored some kind of love, if that's what the word could possibly be for this child, where she didn't want to take her. But then she was the last one. She was the only one left. So she decided... In my opinion, that yeah. she had to go to. Yeah. And, you know, you can't blame an 11-year-old's death on SIDS. No. <laughs> no. You know. I mean. I mean, you can't even blame a two-year-old's death on right. SIDS. I mean, in in most of these cases, they were actually over a year old. Yeah. So. Oh, sick story. Yeah. Like, I and can't. It, just the fact that it took police so long to kind of understand or grapple with what this could possibly be. They couldn't comprehend that this could be malicious. Right. And it's not like these are some, you know, country, you know, 
sheriff deputies. Like this no, is like Atlanta. this is Atlanta. Like yeah. You know, they should have quality uh, policing. And, and, you know, granted, this was this was back in the 70s. It was. But even then, you would think it's just too unbelievable. Right. Like, I can't imagine this happening, you know, naturally. Mm -hmm. Can I? I don't know. Well, (laughs) like I said at the beginning... In the next episode, I'm just going to tease it a little bit here. In the next episode, you are going to hear a story that is quite similar, very, very similar. But the outcome or the reason behind it, I am going to ask you to dig deep and kind of hear it out, hear it out. Hear it out. Just hear it out because, um, yeah, it's different. It's it, different. I, I just, even just, just like the facts of the case, you know, as they were reported just feels different. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And this one, it's like that poor girl uh, for a year she had said she was scared yep. for her life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She had – gone to authorities and said, I am scared to be left alone with my mother. That is huge. And that you is know, huge. And kids have really good instincts. They do. And they also um, are privy to information mm-hmm. that, you know, we are not. You know, they, mm-hmm. she lived in that house. She knew what was up. Yeah. She knew what was going on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, um, it's devastating. Those poor children. I know. I know. It's really, really sad. And, you know, you want to believe that your mother is going to protect you at all costs. Right. And how betrayed is this? And this woman used these children as pawns in her tumultuous relationship with her husband, and they resulted in their deaths and that's just unforgivable yeah if she gets uh, is she really gonna get out or are they just considering it they're considering it well if she gets out and fulton county doesn't immediately charge her with three deaths mm-hmm. uh, i'm i don't know what to say about it yeah i mean this is the closest she's gotten so far in her parole hearings the first five have been denied this is the first time they're actually considering it. Right. And remember, you know, there is no statute of limitations on murder. Granted, these, you know, these children were murdered 40 years mm-hmm. ago, but that doesn't matter. All Hopefully they, they kept the evidence, little of it or mm-hmm. whatever, how much of it there was, because now the technology to analyze yeah. that evidence is, is so much far beyond what it was then. Then maybe that's the play here. Maybe they're just waiting for her to be released, and then they're just going to charge her and send her back to prison on three counts of murder. Maybe. I hope hope. so. Yeah. 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 So that is part one of Mothers Who Murder. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. And be sure to catch the next episode of Killer Heart to Hearts. Killer Heart to Hearts is produced, written, and hosted by Elise Budell and William Cannon, and is engineered by Jordan Calhoun.